Hello and welcome to Recovery Corner, where we introduce you to those making a difference to help you, your family, friends, and neighbors navigate the road to recovery. I'm Thomas Becker with AverHealth, and today I'm with Mark Stadola, a nationally renowned impaired driving consultant. Mark previously served as a program services manager in the Adult Probation Services Division of the Arizona Supreme Court and is a probation fellow for the National Highway Traffic Safety Institute. He's active around the nation to expand the probation and parole community's knowledge of impaired driving and highway safety. Welcome, Mark. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Let's uh, set the stage for our listeners. At the recent APPA Summer Institute, you shared some statistics about a rise in alcohol-related fatalities. Um, Let's do the numbers. What are are the trends? Well, I'm afraid the trends are very, very troubling. So just to give a little bit of background, typically every year there are about a million people in this country who are arrested for driving under the influence. And that could be alcohol, it could be drugs, or as we find uh, is more and more common, alcohol and drugs. So from year to year, it might go up by 50,000 people, it might go down by 50,000, but it's about a million people a year. Mm. Well, that changed in 2020. And what was surprising is, if you'll recall, uh, in 2020, where were we? We were at home. We Mm -hmm. were quarantined. We were not uh, uh, leaving the house. Uh, Statistically, there were millions and millions of fewer miles driven on our roadways. So two things happened in 2020. And this this trend is continuing to go up. The first thing is the number of DUI arrests uh, dropped by about a third. So it went from about a million to just under 700,000 DUI arrests. Now, that doesn't mean that there was nobody driving impaired. What it means is Law enforcement officers were getting sick like everybody else. The priorities tended to change. So while the number of DUI arrests went down, the number of DUI fatalities in this country went up by about mm. 14%. Mm. And just to put that in context, that's the biggest increase in DUI fatalities in about 17 years. So there was this huge increase. But what makes this even more concerning is going into 2021 and what we have been seeing uh, in the first uh, two quarters of 2022 is these numbers continue to rise. Uh, I believe in 2021, the numbers haven't been released, but uh, we're looking at about a 7% uh, increase in uh, traffic fatalities. Uh, And I don't know what those numbers are uh, as it relates to impaired driving, but they certainly have gone up. Hmm. Now, as we all know, alcohol-related crashes are, of course, uh, preventable, um, and and they make up a good chunk of of traffic fatalities. Your session uh, at APPA was titled Beyond Alcohol, Navigating the New Landscape of Impaired Driving. You raised something that's clouding the issue, so to speak, and that's drug impaired driving. Tell us about this sort of new landscape you describe in in context of the stats you just mentioned. Yeah, I'd be happy to. 
So National Highway Traffic Safety Administration uh, refers to this as an emerging issue. Um, And honestly, Tom, I don't know if this is a new issue as much as an issue that we have finally started to look at. And I think part of the reason our attention was drawn to it uh, really has to do with states that have legalized both uh, medical and recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, uh, Colorado was really ground zero for this and that, that they were the first state to legalize recreational marijuana. So there has really been uh, attention drawn to um, how what they have been finding and trying to share that with states that are a little bit, uh, you know, newer at the table when it comes to uh, uh, legalization of marijuana. But here's what they have found. And what studies have shown is that uh, it's not just people driving under the influence of of, uh, marijuana or just driving under the influence of alcohol. What we're finding is polysubstance use. Mm -hmm. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean not necessarily even just two drugs on board at the same time, but it might be three drugs or even more than that used at the same time. So I'm going to mention very quickly three studies that really, I think, bring this home. And one was a study from Dane County, uh, Wisconsin, so uh, Madison, Wisconsin. The other was Dade County, uh, Miami, Florida. And then the third study was in Orange County, California. So very different populations. And what they found was individuals who had been arrested for driving under the influence of alcohol. So that's what the police had stopped them for. Mm -hmm. They blew over 0.08, so they were legally impaired with alcohol. But what these studies did is they then tested these same individuals for drugs. And what they found was that about 40% of each one of these different populations, again, different people, uh, what they found was about 40% had other drugs on board in addition to alcohol. Uh, So it could be alcohol, marijuana, it could be, uh, you know, meth, whatever the case may be. But uh, our assumption that alcohol is just the only thing people are using is a faulty assumption. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy to get more into that as we continue our conversation. But if there's one message I try to impart to probation officers is please don't assume it's just alcohol because there's a very good chance it's not. It's more than that. Yeah, you mentioned marijuana and certainly <clears throat> as states continue to legalize them, uh, that, that's certainly going to be a factor, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, one of the things that, that we have found uh and I want to be fair, uh, the, the research that is showing marijuana alone as a, a significant factor for crashes and impaired driving uh, is pretty inconclusive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really haven't seen uh, significant information that is telling us that marijuana is, is causing havoc on our roadways. 
However, again, if we're talking poly substance use, that is a different story. So I'm going to give you an example. So again, Colorado, ground zero for uh, marijuana and the like. They did a study in Colorado for individuals who had been involved in roadway crashes uh, where drugs were on board. And what they found was in 45% of these uh, crashes that the individuals who were driving who got into these these uh, situations had alcohol, marijuana, and a third substance mm. in their system uh, at the time of the crash. And when they were looking at just alcohol alone, it was about 10%. Marijuana alone, it was about uh, 10%. So uh, I think it really speaks to the fact that, you know, we're not just looking at one substance. It is uh, uh, many, many different substances. So let's get a little bit, uh, not so much scientific, but the reality of polysubstance use while driving. So what happens when you mix alcohol and drug use from the perspective of driving? Well, it's a, that's an excellent question. Uh, it's not one plus one equals two when we're talking about polysubstance use. What they found is that when you're mixing alcohol with other drugs, it has kind of a synergistic effect where mm-hmm. it greatly increases uh, the level of impairment uh, with these individuals. And uh, I know I'm a little bit of a numbers geek. I didn't start out that way in life, but here I am. But I do want to mention there was a study that took place, a very robust study that took place in a number of European countries where they were looking at polysubstance use. And what they found was that individuals using uh, marijuana alone, if we're looking at crash risk, that increases your crash risk about one to three times. Hmm. Uh, And then, as you might imagine, when you add, uh, if you're looking at individuals using uh, opioids, that crash risk, risk goes up. But where the real crash risk skyrockets is when you're using alcohol with any of these other drugs, marijuana, opioids, uh, methamphetamines, whatever the case may be. What they found is your crash risk at that point goes up by over 200 times when Mm. you're mixing alcohol with these other drugs. So um, if there is one major threat, that seems to be it. Wow. Now, what you mentioned uh, uh, the challenges that, that probation and law enforcement has with this issue. Uh, how important is it to test beyond alcohol uh, to determine, you know, the alternate drugs? I mean, if, if you're, you know, if you've been arrested for DUI, as you said, chances are there may be something else. Uh, it is incredibly important. And I'm going to tell you, there there are a couple reasons why it's so important that we do not assume. And not only are we drug testing, but uh, we're drug testing for as many drugs as, as possible. And that is that 
as we said, we can't make this assumption. And the example I, I tend to give is those individuals that maybe are 75 years old that were, were popped for a DUI, don't assume, again, that alcohol is the only thing on board because there may be prescription drugs that are being mm-hmm. used or uh, potentially abused that could impact that, um, that driving. But... I'm going to tell you a story regarding a drug court uh, that had a number of individuals who were pretty much getting ready to graduate from drug court. They were in the final phase, and the chief probation officer had some end-of-the-year money and made the decision that, you know, let's test these people for synthetic marijuana just to see, and that was at the time more of an expensive test. But what they found when they did these tests was almost half of these individuals who had not been tested for this before uh, tested positive for synthetic marijuana for using spice. So the issue is this if you aren't testing for certain substances, Our clients on probation or parole or in treatment are going to do two things. Number one, they're going to continue to use that particular drug. And number two, they're going to tell everybody they know, guess what? They don't test for spice here, so you can continue to use. So, you know, the foundation of testing is is that tool that is promoting accountability for our clients. And again, if we're just making that assumption, well, they're just drinking and and they would never consider using a different drug is just a faulty assumption. So those tests for be it in a DUI court or any kind of DUI programming, it's really essential that we're looking at doing that drug testing in addition to alcohol testing. And just very briefly, the flip side of that is those individuals that maybe were um, uh, arrested for driving under the influence of drugs, we should be testing them for alcohol as well because he mm. is poly substance use. And we can't assume that somebody is going to use one drug and one drug only because really that um, is contrary to what we see with the research. So lab-based testing versus, say, instant testing, it can really help uh, to increase understanding of this issue. Absolutely. It uh, helps us in terms of understanding what those drug trends are, what those drug driving trends are. And uh, frankly, one of the messages that I try to impart to courts and probation departments is to really lean on those drug testing labs you are the ones that know about these trends. There may be drugs on the horizon that perhaps the courts are unaware of that really need our attention. So uh, the the testing needs to be a foundation of whatever program you're using with our clients. But I think part of your function that oftentimes is underutilized by the courts is really understanding what are we seeing out there and taking suggestions from uh, the labs as to, again, you know, what should we be looking at? Should we be testing differently for the 21-year-old than we should for the 50-year-old? Should we be looking perhaps at different substances? But this all rolls into 
one important factor, and that is community safety, safety on our roadways. That's why we need to be asking mm. those questions. And certainly uh, with that data from, from lab-based testing and, and the issues you kind of laid out in terms of the trends, what uh, is being done or, or is considered really uh, you know, among law enforcement, judicial, regulatory? You're, you're kind of interplaying with all of those elements. But what's really being done or considered to address this, uh, this landscape? Well, one of the things that I think we have been really uh, shining a light on is what we're finding in toxicology labs. Uh, So, for example, uh, we've been really inconsistent in this country in terms of how we're testing, for example, in fatality crashes. Uh, There are some states that test less than 10 percent of the individuals uh, in fatality crashes. Other states like Wisconsin, uh, who deserves a lot of credit, have been testing on every individual who is in a fatality crash and that they're really expanding those that testing level in DUI crashes, those non-fatal crashes. And part of the reason that they're doing this is they've kind of flipped the script. It is no longer uh, the, the priority to look at this as a criminal justice issue. They're looking at this as a public health issue. Mm. Um, what is happening in terms of, of how people are behaving on our roadways? And uh, as of late, what we found is about half of the toxicology labs, which is an improvement, have been testing for both drugs and alcohol in these crashes. But the glass half empty is, that means half the labs are not. But that is something that uh, I think will really be helpful as we continue to do this in painting the picture of what we're seeing um, on our roadways. The other need uh, from law enforcement, um, the real gold standard in detecting substance and polysubstance use in impaired driving are drug recognition experts. So these are law enforcement officers that have taken a significant amount of training, about 160 hours of training, in addition to refresher training, uh, in order to detect not only if somebody is impaired, but what they are impaired by. So these are individuals that can testify in court. Um, and uh, so the more officers that we can train in this area, the better. Um, so, you know, I think the bottom line is that every element of the criminal justice system needs to recognize that uh, impaired driving and polysubstance use go hand in hand. And if we're not looking at it in kind of that macro level, we could really be missing the boat as to what is going on with these individuals. And then finally, I think from a community standpoint, uh we need to be clear in, in how we are messaging issues related to impaired driving. Hmm. And probably the best example I would give is where we were, say, in 1980 when it comes to alcohol impaired driving and people understanding the danger is where we are today 
when it comes to marijuana and driving. There are perceptions out there that, hey, I'm a much better driver when I'm stoned. Uh, Oh, it's much better to drive stoned than to drive drunk. Uh, And we need to really get past that. Uh, Not in necessarily an accusatory way, uh, especially in those states where marijuana is legal. It's like we need to recognize that. Uh, But getting that message across that if you're going to get if you're going to get high, do it at home, do it safely. Don't put your community at risk by doing something uh, as silly as driving under the influence. So I think everybody has uh, uh, a challenge that they can address to make us all safer. Mark, great words to end by. It is a community effort indeed. And uh, thanks again to all the probation officers uh, doing their best every day to, to keep our communities safe. Mark Stadola, I appreciate your time. Um, look forward to, to seeing you again at a future conference. And if anyone has a chance to, to see Mark in person, please do so. You'll, you'll pick up a lot of, uh, of great material and helpful insights. So thank you, Mark. And here, just a quick shameless plug. If anybody wants more information uh, regarding impaired driving or training or assessment availability, contact Tom. And Tom, you can feel free to throw my email and phone information out to whoever would be interested. Absolutely. You can reach us at marketing at everhealth.com. And I appreciate everyone listening to the latest uh, edition of Recovery Corner. We look forward to um, hearing from you soon. Thank you.